0: Welcome to NCBA's Cattleman's Call Podcast with host, Lane Nordland. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another conversation here on the Cattlemen's Call Podcast. I'm Lane Nordland, and the 2023 year is the National Cattleman's Beef Association's 125th anniversary. Of course, the association got its start back in 1898, and it was named the National Cattleman's Beef Association back in 1996, when the National Cattlemen's Association merged with the Beef Industry Council. So we're going to talk about the history of the association and, and where it's come in the last uh, 40, 30, 20 years. And I'm excited to be uh, joined today by some outstanding leaders in the cattle industry. First, I'd like to introduce Joanne Smith from the great state of Florida. She was NCA president back in 1985, along with my friend Craig Uden from Nebraska. He's past president, Maurice. Recently, in the year 2017. But first off, uh, Joanne, I'll start with you. How, how are things down in Florida today? I, I mentioned it's going to get about 20 below here in uh Montana in the next few days, and uh, I know with humidity, when it gets a little chilly down south, it gets it gets cold. But how are things down in Florida?
1: We, we've got we have absolutely brilliant sun with a uh, about an 18 mile an hour wind that's going to bring some cold in. Um, don't think it'll be too cold, but anyhow, um, we're going to experience a drop in temperature also the next day or so.
0: And and Craig, for yourself down in feedlot country, uh, are are you guys getting that cold weather right now?
2: Lane, we've had more moisture in the last three weeks than we had the last, uh, eight months. So we are kind of a mess. Um, it's been probably 2007 since we've been this bad. A lot of snow, a lot of rain, uh, about 18 inches last week after about an inch of ice and eight inches the previous week. So it's not exactly ideal up here, but uh, uh, we're gonna get a, one more day of decent weather and then we're gonna go into the ice box and we'll be joining you at that uh, negative wind chill. And uh, not, not the greatest elements, but hopefully it cleans up before everybody gets to the cabin here in 30, 40 days.
0: Yeah, that's that. That's the the wonderful uh, attributes of uh, being up in the in the Midwest uh, and up in the Northern Plains. Calving season always uh, seems to be thrown off by that cold weather, but we need the moisture, no doubt, as it has been so droughty across much of the nation. And uh, you you know that's the challenges that come with being in the livestock businesses: the ups and downs, the successes, and the challenges. Oh. And uh, with that, there has been a lot of successes and challenges uh, for the last several decades in the cattle business. And, and Joanne, I'll start with you to, to, to maybe share a little bit about your history with what is now the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and your involvement in the organization. Of course, I mentioned you were president back in 1985. Uh, what, what has that been like being a part of the leadership of the cattle industry on a national level?
1: Well... Irregardless of what you and others may think, I've not been around for hundred and twenty five years. <laughs> However, I have been around and, and been a part of, of seeing uh interesting changes, uh, all for the good, all marching forward. Uh I became involved in the cattle cattlemen's association back in the late seventies. I was the um I was involved in the cattle women and I was appointed to the first Beef Committee, which was the checkoff committee, and representing cattle women. So that was my introduction into the cattle uh cattle cattlemen's association. And shortly thereafter, um, we merged the old American National Cattlemen in with the National Livestock Feeders Association. And uh, that was in the late 70s, and I became a woman first woman chairperson of a committee uh, which happened to have a lot of things called dietary guidelines nutrition uh, the consumer movement uh, those kind of things that we had not experienced before as an association so that was my introduction to what's now known as the uh, as the national cattlemen's beef association
0: well, thanks for that uh, a quick glance at uh, at the beginning of uh, of your leadership and volunteer role as well, and uh, we'll we'll dive more into to that as well. But uh, Craig, for yourself, uh, let's talk about your involvement, uh, where where you where you got your start to, and moved your way up to being my bus uh, seat buddy on a, a young cattlemen's conference a few years ago.
2: Well, you know, I've always been a. Uh, I I grew up in, in – I'm glad she brought that up in the late seventies, Joanne. Uh, that's really where I got involved. And, and uh, my dad, when I was younger in high school we were raising cattle and, and uh, went down to what's now the FSA. And we, we voted back then if we were gonna have a checkoff or not. And so that's kind of really where I got my start. My dad was really involved in organizations and when I came out here to start this operation my partners were involved. So I got involved in my local and my state organizations uh, at a very early age, you might say. And consequently, uh, uh, this will be my 37th year, I believe, since 85, I've I've went to every NCBA convention that was there. So I was always there because I thought it was a great learning experience. And uh, I wanted to get get more involved on the state level when I was younger, but it really brought a lot of perspective and a lot of new ideas when you would go on and see what the real issues were. Uh, How I really got involved then was building my operation. I came in a little on the different side. I came in off the checkout side, and uh, they said, why don't you run for the Beef Council? I said, okay, we'll try that. And uh, that's only so many meetings a year. And I said, that'd be fine. Well, then they got me to see if I wanted to be on the operating committee. So I tried that. And that's that's really where I got my start off, the federation side. So I went up the federation side uh, for my eight years and became the chairman. Then we did something a little bit different. Uh, as a, I had a little more time at, the, at, at that particular time so I jumped over on the policy side and threw my hat and ring over there. So that's, that's how I ended up going up the ladder. So I had about I got all of a sudden done, I had about 13 years involvement through the federation, the policy side, and up through the officer officer chain. So uh, it went from, it would only be a few meetings a year to, uh, it was a few meetings per day for a number of years. <laughs> so, but uh, it worked out and uh, still enjoy involved in the industry all the way through
0: and Joanne, when you were president, what were some of the challenges uh that were impacting the the industry and what were some of the goals of the association to to get through those uh, challenges?
1: Well, I think I think the largest uh the largest challenge at that time was that the prices were low. People were being very very strapped at, with, with the financial part of raising and selling steers and trying to keep cows and calves going, and as we looked at what may be a big impact that was affecting uh, all of us in our production, our product was not selling, and we absolutely knew that we had to do something to affect to in order to affect the bottom line was to look at our weakness and our weakness in the chain was um, the consumer not understanding one thing about the product that was in the shelves at the supermarket and could buy chicken cheaper on a on a menu. So we had to change. We were doing a pretty good job, as I've always said, at production, but we had not reached out to the other end of the spectrum, and this was a totally, totally new face. For a cowboy and a cattleman and um, a family to say, "Hey, we we've got to do we've got to do our part to change the image of this product to where it is acceptable um, at the, the consumer level." That that was one of the big that was the big issue. Of course, there's always issues like taxation, imports, exports. Um, I could go on one continually at that time was um, the futures market and the impact it was having on the bottom line. Uh, just, just, Just to say that we were facing some new things and some different things that the cattle industry's history had not faced before.
0: And Joanne, we, we look at the issues that we have at hand today, and, and, you, and we sometimes we think, oh, how are we ever going to get over these hurdles? Uh, what were some of those conversations like during your tenure in trying to strategize and come up with that game plan to, to have a voice out in Washington, D.C., and, and be, being able to interact with agency officials and, and also the cattle producers themselves in saying, hey, we, we got to get ahead of this and we have to work on these issues?
1: Well, you know, um, I remember uh very clearly that the the reason the major force for cha- for merging the feeders and the cattlemen was just exactly one word in that or two words and that was a a, Washington, a full-time Washington office presence. Because more and more cattlemen realized that um We had to be in Washington all of the time. We had to be in meetings over in the agencies. We had to be on the Hill. And the one other thing on the flip side of that was that they really uh, could see merit in the cattlemen going into Washington to testify, to attend committees, to make contacts. And certainly through the process of passing a new checkoff bill, we found that the only way um not the only way that was successful but the most successful was to have my counterparts uh be on the with their boots on the hill and i i, I will i will never forget the objective of merging organizations changing um changing plans um you know in 1985 did we plan to try to pass another check off <laughs> And the answer is no, that was not in the plan. Um, I was confronted in the West at a reg- two regional meetings about we were getting 25 cents for cabs and we've got to help ourselves. And and therefore, my comment to them was, they said, could we pass the check off? And I said, well, I think we can pass the check off, but not the current legislation that's on the books. Because we had... Um, done an extensive survey after the second time we lost, with the producer, uh, would they accept and, and pay for a, a national program? And the answer was yes. Uh, overwhelmingly, like 80% said yes. But they wanted it changed, um, wanted it to be um, divided with the uh, folks at home, on, on their beef councils, they would pay a do- up to a dollar but they wanted half of it to stay in the state. Um, they wanted uh, the board to be producer governed. Um, major issues that were somewhat different than what we had. So we had to hustle in order and re and and I. It was tough for NCA at the time to to um, put funds into making sure that we. We got the job done because it was not, as you say, in the calendar to try to go to Washington to pass a bill and get a new program uh, up and running.
0: And uh, with that, we have seen so much growth in in consumers uh, understanding the, the nutritional aspects of beef. We've seen the growth. And I, I guess, uh, Joanne, from your perspective, you know, there, there is folks that uh, are maybe question the checkoff and and, it's, uh, and how funds are used. I guess, what's your message to producers that just uh, maybe are opposed to the checkoff or, or don't understand it? And, of course, there is that firewall between policy in checkoff promotion, but what what are those conversations like, uh, especially looking back to the to the '80s and '90s when we had to grow that demand for beef?
1: Well, I I you know I can I can I can stand and and freely say that the checkoff has definitely been the guiding uh, light that changed the consumer's attitude about beef. And if we had not had the checkoff and continually been able to get forward with a message uh, in all avenues and all venues, particularly as technology changed and and the way we bought our groceries and the way we changed to more eating out more and all, um, our checkoff has certainly done a, a wonderful, wonderful job, however, I still respect the person that says I, I don't believe in the checkoff program. I don't think it's done good. It didn't do what I wanted it to do. And and as I said the first day that we we met as a board, hey, this this is not an answer to everything. We're all we're still going to need to fund ARS and and ag research and in cattle research and the down basics of of uh, what agricultural research. We still need to support. Um various segments other than just promotion and i i we would if we had not had the background with uh diet the dietitians and with physicians and so forth uh in the research, we would have never ever uh been able to change consumer thoughts and patterns and and they're going to change again, you know these young people do not necessarily want to eat and cook and Worry about things like uh, even the forty-year-olds did and do, and so I I I think it's a moving target. I think we are going to have to always have our minds and our our vision open, um, and and as marketing cattle change, and it and it's changed drastically over the last thirty-two years. Um, we're going to have to look again at, at you know. Um, how, how, how do we collect a check off? How do we make sure that we are collecting the funds? Um, there's, there, nothing, nothing, nothing is in stone.
0: And Craig, for yourself, uh, your year started in 2017 as president, and I, I know you you moved up through the executive committee and whatnot. But our our, our world has changed quite a bit since 2017. Uh, 2020 through, really threw a a kink into things. But what what were some of those challenges while you were president, and then also while you were past president, and up till now that maybe you didn't see coming?
2: Well, I think I think the one thing I always want to repeat to customers to, to our producers is, uh, there's nothing permanent. Okay. We've never got a, we may in government say it's a permanent fix, but it, it always rears its head with a new administration. So, uh, bringing that to light right now, waters of the United States was a big issue back in 2017. We tapped it down. What's our issue today? Waters of the United States. Uh, Joanne referenced, uh, we had some price problems back in uh, uh, 15 and 16. Uh, one thing I promoted a lot was warning producers that we could have some headwinds from all the closures of the packing facilities. After the uh, the record numbers of uh, reduction in 2011, 12 and 13, the packing plants shut down a lot of major uh, facilities. And then when we had growth, we didn't have quite as much room to handle the kill capacity that was needed for the increase of of, of production. So consequently, we spent a lot of time. Another issue became with the CME and delivery points was a real hotly contested issue from the North to the South. Uh, What should be discounted? What what should be removed? We needed to add some uh, uh, delivery points, which we did. We needed to streamline the contract or make it actually not really streamline it, but make it, uh, more acceptable to newer standards of what beef production uh, would raise the grading and the weights and just modernize that for quite a while. We spent a lot of time in DC and Chicago both. We about had the contract pulled. We got got pretty contentious with the CME and they said they would meet us in Washington uh, to just delist the contract. And that got everybody's attention. So uh, brought everybody back into perce- perception um, uh, but I, one great thing that did happen, and it goes back to the checkoff, and I want to talk a little bit about that, uh, we're a transition in, in, in my era. Um, uh, you know, we, we went and, and uh, stood on our own as a federation and elected our own people there and through product research, I would say research, was really big into the checkoff and addressing some of the different cuts of beef going to the export countries. And uh, in 2017, I was uh, lucky enough to go to China and uh, for the signing of opening back China to USB. And we know where that's went today. That's went from virtually non-existent since 2000 Back, back to the BSE 2003 to where they're the largest consumer of our product today. So, uh, and that always keeps changing too. But we had to figure out how we need to deliver what product they wanted. Uh, if we didn't have a certain cut, could we go to a different cut and, and reintroduce that to a foreign country to where there'd be acceptance? So when you look at the amount of market share that our export business is of our of our cattle cattle business today. It's it's we'd be in big trouble without moving forward. So beef safety was another big concern. Market reporting uh, continues to be challenged, and what uh, you know we got the uh, we got the library now because of that. But uh, uh, there's still a lot of challenges out there for for people. But I do think anytime we tamp something down and we've got a great staff in DC and, uh, we think we got it under control. And like I say, a new administration comes out and then we have some of the same things come back to haunt us. I think marketing is always a challenge. Uh, you know, when, when, when the merger took place, I remember it was really icy. I slid in, the, I think it was in Kansas city and, uh, there was a lot of challenges, and there was some debate about merging every all those uh, groups into one. We created a lot of efficiency, you know, re- reduced a lot of duplication, and uh, brought in a lot more ideas into one common area instead of having three different meetings and three different organizations. It created a lot of synergy out there that people could uh, uh, start to look at the gate to plate philosophy, and, and I. I, I that was one of our key drivers and it is today, you know, uh, from conception, conception to consumption. And that's where we need to be looked at and focused at because it's a very complex, uh, business that we're in and the beef production that is raised in different areas, you know, from, uh, from the great state of Florida and 23 feet above sea level to, uh, uh you know, say Montana and, uh, where you can get up to fourteen thousand feet above sea level, you know. So you're taking all these different processes and methods and what works in regions, and you, you 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 bring it all through the process in many different facets and it all has to end up as a great high quality steak to the consumer. We've made a lot of strides over the years as far as with the beef safety and working on E. coli now we're we're working on salmonella. Um, like I said, different cuts for different uh, countries, but also different ways of cooking methods and conveniences for our everyday consumers. But at the end of the day, uh, the biggest change I've seen is taking our grading from 55% choice and better to 85% with 8 to 9% prime. So we really don't have a lot of that Core quality and we we had to grow up sometime and become the premium global protein out there for all all segments and as we introduce that to other foreign countries we're really the one that can provide that to everybody and uh it, it's just amazing how many different how, how many different types of operations there are and how, how we get that product at the end
0: Now, you both have touched on that merger that occurred in 1996 between the NCA and the BIC, and, you know, I think there's a lot of producers out there that uh, are managing their operations or taking over or starting out that uh, were pretty young or not around when that—I was five years old when that merger took place. And I think with that, uh, you know, we uh, talked—Joanne talked about having that full-time presence in Washington and— Craig, you, you discussed having that synergy, but well, obviously it was a very controversial decision to do that, and it was probably met with a, a lot of criticism, and I think there's still criticism about that. So, Joanne, what are some of the other factors that were discussed? This is obviously after your time as NCA president. I'm sure a lot of people came to you and and asked you questions and what your thoughts were on it. Uh, what what were some of those concerns but also opportunities that came along with that merger when we were there in the mid-'90s?
1: Well, here again, you know, having having been around a while and having seen success with mergers and uh, Craig. Just a moment ago um, hit on something that that I think is very important and something that a new president of the um, beef association needs to recognize immediately is that there there is a lot of difference between east Coast and west coast and north and south cattle production. Therefore, the interests are somewhat different. The focus of what I want to get out of this is a little different. And we've grown up and we've begun to understand that we've all got to work together. Those of us in the associations may have tended to individual associations and units may have have been a little hesitant to want to see change But I think down deep in their heart, they too realized we had so many duplications. And even when um, we had the National Cattlemen's Association and the Beef Industry Council, those of us involved in both could see readily uh, the duplications. How many people did we have at at a meeting that we were invited to? Five, you know. Who needs five people there to say the same thing? Uh, there were just a lot of expenses that the, the 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 guy down at the the ranch was paying for and and the money that we could save by moving forward with technology with education with extended knowledge is just amazing. Will it be the same? 20 years from now, no, and it shouldn't be. And we do not want to stop progress. Um, I foresee less meetings. I foresee that there will be uh, much better coordination within the committees themselves. Um, people are going to change. Uh, we're going to have to be able to furnish them uh, the information at their desk. Uh, or on the road or wherever they might be in order for them to participate so as I think backward to the concerns and the issues a a lot of them were miscommunication misunderstanding um, not being able to quite see how it could all move forward but I don't think it was is intentional um some people never like change, so we don't, we don't have, I don't have an answer for that one. But, but as a whole, I think people have begun to understand. Uh, yes, this can work, and yes, this will work. Um, we've got to all put our mind and our focus on it. We have to continue to help to drive, drive the drive the car and turn the wheel.
0: And, Craig, from your perspective as a producer in in the 90s, uh, you know, probably maybe even I I don't know if, if you got to vote on that merger or not or just be a part of those discussions, uh, you know, having a young family at the time and, and uh, you know, being busy but still being active. What what was that like? And then what was it like in, in post-merger uh, in your role as a, as a leader within the NCBA?
2: Well, I think... <clears throat> I am getting old, Lane, because it, it, it's, it's harder to remember back in the mid-90s, but I, I do remember uh, traveling down, and there was, there was a lot of contention because a lot of people didn't like to see the change. But um, I, I think from that kind of concept, from that, that day, we said we're going to be an industry from conception to consumption. We're going to understand more about our product from being that baby calf to that stake. And I think that's, that, I think we've really tried to accelerate that the last 10, 15 years. And, and as we started uh, evolving and, and, and having the checkoff side and the policy side, start communicating back and forth a lot more and opening that up to everybody, whether it be at a summer meeting or convention. And then uh, this also, also at the state, state meetings where they become uh, more of a one house with 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 the firewall but discussing the issues people are understanding that whatever they do on that phase of the operation has a direct impact to the next guy whether that be the stalker the feeder the packer or the consumer and i and i think what you're seeing is that education process and it takes a long you know it's a big boat we have to uh, maneuver out there and i think it just takes time and and a lot of time and coordination both at the state and the national level but i think when you come off the checkoff side you understand that product and then you work backwards whereas a lot of times the producers a cow calf and he really doesn't think about that that consumer's uh, experience and i remember joanne getting in front of him. meeting when I was really, really young, and she says, you cowboys out there better learn that the product's going to drive your operation, and I'll never forget that, and I was, I was eating into, I was believing everything she said, and I still do today, and, uh, you know, that's, that's been my whole concept, as an educator in my business, uh, to my employees, and to the public of what we do all the way through, because everything that we we do as a, as a producer, uh, we, we need to understand the consequences it has up and down the chain. And I do think we do cover that a lot better today. And there's a lot more coordination. Um, but not all people like change, not everybody will. I think one thing that really, muddies our water for us is when we went and got the shark off, half goes to state and half goes on to the national. I think a lot of producers out there, particularly in my sector of the world that uh, also sell grain, whether it be through the corn board or, or soybean, a lot of that extra money can be used as lobbying, right? Ours cannot, it never has. But you get that concept out there that the corn people can, the soybean people can, and certain other checkoffs can use it. So thus they think that it can be used to, 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 to work in Washington, and that's just not the case. You know, one of our biggest challenges when I was on the exec committee was uh, we were challenged really, really heavy on the fire. And we went through, I don't know how many audits and so many knockdown drag outs uh, throughout the, you know, we were under attack constantly. And uh, we went back and proved that everything that firewall has been, uh, I don't think you could reinforce it anymore than it's ever been reinforced, but it's, it's always been there. But, we 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 function so much differently than the average checkoff. I, I think that's what complicates it a little bit to the average producer out there. And uh, I think when you, if you have that opportunity as a producer, to look at the, the checkoff side of things and get involved in that part, you it becomes a lot more clear uh, how the organization functions. Okay. But a lot of people get wrapped up in the day to day and what they're doing is in their segment of the, of the beef, beef production chain and they really don't think about the product. But once you get them to start thinking, um, and that's a coordinated effort on the national level and the state levels to get that to happen. And I think as we, as we get into a lot of our youth and we, we see a great opportunity for a lot of young people and there are a tremendous amount of young people that I see when I go to some of these state meetings and uh, that I still, uh, I still attend quite a few, even my neighboring States once in a while, I see a lot more young people getting involved. And I do think because the consumer is so wants the transparency and wants to, uh, engage with their, their, uh, their peers, these young people, I think they will take the time to understand, uh, the product side as well as the production side, and they'll be able to help communicate that. I don't. I, th- I think we, I'm talking about my my age group, was so ingrained on one side or the other, uh, we we probably had a narrower vision. And I think today that that vision is a lot more broad. And I think that'll do nothing but enhance what we can do as as an industry down the way.
1: You know, going back even further in history, when when we combined uh, the National Cattlemen and the National Livestock Feeders Association. Not only did they want a presence in Washington, but what what was established at that time was a very, very strong committee of the producers on the board to, to run the organization. And that has been, in my opinion, one of the most valuable thing that our Predecessors set up with the with the entity at the time, because producers have a voice in the national in the in the, uh, the the association now. They did then, but it's stronger, and it goes back to your state association and the strength of the association in order to have the strength that we need in these the boards today. Um. I am very pleased to see that uh even though even though we have issues, we're always going to have issues. Um, and we're going to have to learn to even more so work together um as a an association than apart. You know, the, the checkoff is a part of the cattle industry. And if we had not had the national cattlemen at the time to fund the effort to create a checkoff program we would have never had one and so hats off to those the wisdom of those people it then many years ago to work hard and to be willing to pay uh, in order to make it happen uh, Washington does a part but but it had to come from the grassroots and I just feel strongly yes we'll have differences between what was the old beef industry council group sometime and and the uh, cattlemen and that's moved on now kind of out of the way and the vision that the younger people have uh, today of new technology, uh, of podcasts. uh, I, I think it's just very important that we, we embrace. And Lane, I'd like to echo on that. You know, as I
2: look back, and your executive committee is made up of your your seven regions on your on your policy side, and also on your on your checkoff side. And not only does it give you the checkoff and the policy to to understand those, but you're also regional, right? So we talked about the region as far as east and west, north and south, and that really. That brings a lot of, lot of good thinkers and a lot of people that are well respected and their opinions to what what their issues are, and uh, there can be some vast differences out there, and uh, different, different challenges. But uh, it, it really has it, it is really well thought of when that was put put into place, and then um, I think it's done nothing but uh, go back and, and really incorporate the states to send the right people and the right mindset and you know one of the first things you, you learn if you're going to get involved in this organization is, is uh, you're going to do you throw away your biases and you're going to do what you can for the organization and, and not for just your, your region or yourself
0: you both of you have uh, talked about that next generation uh, of producers, those young producers, and, and looking to ideas and, and being, you know, acceptable to change. And uh, I, I've been traveling quite a bit here, here at the start of the year, going to various agricultural meetings and different, uh, uh, you know, livestock groups. And it is amazing. I'm seeing a lot more young producers, and I think this is kind of a post-COVID thing as well, where folks can get out and about. But uh, what's your advice about letting... Uh, Letting the the management uh, era folks let the young folks go to some of these meetings get away from the operation and uh, hopefully not get volunteered to be on a committee right away but take in these the, the, the county the state and the national meetings so they can get exposed to it so it's not just exactly what they're reading on Facebook or, or maybe reading an email or listening on a podcast. Uh, why is it important to let that next generation get away from the operation and, and make Dad stay mom, Dad or Mom stay home for a few days?
2: Well, I, I can take that on right now. I I know <coughs> one thing that's been happening a lot, and I, and I you know you you don't always like to see some of that institutional institutionalization leaving, but I, it's my understanding, and I and we've just went through it here in Nebraska of. Uh, some changes of these state organizations, a lot of people are getting to that era where they are retiring. And so you see a lot more young people stepping in to these state associations. So consequently, you're seeing a lot more involvement and in programs for those on the state level. And then they're forwarding those names on to a national level. And you're seeing, and that's, you know, sometimes it's. I look at it as that's, that's our future. So I'm 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 pretty open to any and all come and, and not just say and come to the meetings, but actually get involved. That's somewhat contentious with certain people that, you know, they don't like change either. But, you know, that is who's going to be running the operation in the next 10 years. So they need to get involved. It is a harder group to get involved. Um, there's been changes as an organization where you have more... Uh, zoom calls because they can't always get away from a cost standpoint or an operational standpoint. But I think uh, the association's done a pretty good job of opening that up and allowing people to become more involved and maybe not have to go uh, to DC all the time or to go to Denver, but, but they can be involved on a day-to-day basis. And I think, Uh, as the industry evolves, so so does the association and and they'll keep coming up with different ideas of how they're going to engage more of these young people. But I, I do think that uh, uh, you're seeing it on a lot of state and I think you're starting to see more and more of it on the national of people getting involved. I know we've, we've been pretty (laughs) successful in Nebraska on all kinds of different levels. And I really encourage it because I've, my time's limited how many more years I got to go uh, run around and do this. But uh, I, I might go this year just because I don't want to stay in the snowbank.
0: <laughs> Joanne, what are your thoughts on that? Obviously, you, you let Marty go to a meeting your son once, so he got to get active too. So, but
1: <laughs> Well, I, th- I think you pretty well can... Uh, 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 know exactly how I feel about it uh having a son that's that's uh been so involved. But you know, I look around not only here in Florida and we've always encouraged uh the young people um uh, in this state because um we kind of tend to be a, a, a state that uh you pass it on as you go through the generations. But but, but even as I work with uh, Uh, the universities and the ag the particularly animal science programs these young people are are very bright they're very interested and and it's really behooves us to encourage them to find a place um fresh ideas whether they're voted on or accepted or not are fresh ideas and we need to we need to move we we need to understand that era coming along and I, I the the door's open. I think that we need to do a better job of including them um i I find it very rewarding to see the interest that I see being generated in young people across this country in the cattle industry.
0: No, I found it very uh, int- uh, interesting, and, and I, I really loved hearing that news yesterday. I, w- I was at a, an event, and the dean of the College of Agriculture from Montana State University, she, she was speaking to the crowd, and she shared that uh, 53% of the students enrolled in the College of Agriculture at Montana State University I- is made up of women. And, and I think, and Joanne, I always tip tip my hat to you because you were the first uh, woman to be president of of the NCA, now the NCBA. What 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 does that feel like? Knowing that uh, that more uh, young ladies are, are pursuing careers and degrees in agriculture, whether that's directly in production agriculture or in agribusiness. About you know it, it takes everybody in the industry to be successful, but. Uh, uh there there probably wasn't a lot of a lot of ladies in the room back back when you first started uh, what what is that like today to be able to go to a meeting and see just all the women in agriculture uh getting recognition for their hard work and and uh for their volunteer leaders uh or or for their roles as volunteer leaders now
1: Well of course it thrills me uh to see the the women involved today it also makes me stop and realize just how many women are involved in cattle production today from from, I mean, just the bare basics through all the way, you know, to doing doing the marketing and this kind of thing. I, I think that um, it, we have re, we have recognized that women have a great deal of talent, a great deal of knowledge and are willing to work very hard and and I just really am absolutely thrilled. Uh, I love going to uh, these meetings and, and getting to meet them and talk to them and listen to them and encourage them because they, they often say, well, how did you do what you did? And, you know, I said, I worked and I knocked on doors and I opened doors and those same doors are open to you today. You just have to make it um, you just have to work at it and stay with it and become as as smart as you can become. And they are they are certainly doing that. It was um, I, I was I was certainly uh, questioned, and I knew I would be. Um, I accepted that when I accepted the the fact that I would run the presidency. Uh, I knew it would be different, and so here I am, and I'm just thrilled that I could be a part of
0: of uh, making some change. Now, if we were sitting here having this conversation back in 1985, Joanne, when, when you were president of the association, what, what, what do you think uh, the president, the past president during the 1947, 38 years before your presidency, what, what do you think they would be talking about challenge, uh, the challenges they faced and the change that they saw in that same time period?
1: Well, you know, uh, cattle, of course, uh, back then was shipped by rail. Um, uh, you didn't see nearly the, the fresh product. Uh, you all, small numbers, nothing like what, you know, uh, population was not what it is today. Um, I'm sure they talked about marketing. I'm sure that was a key, key issue. Um, I, I, I have, I must say that, um, the disease problem that they encountered in nineteen forty seven would have been horrendous. Uh I am I, I, being, being a Florida girl, I well remember screw worms, you know. Um I I know exactly how fast you have to be to catch a calf and, and and doctor it. So um 47 would have you know uh in a lot of states would have been um no fence um, cattle would have been moved um, all over the country. Branding would have been, you would have been fighting with, with people about your brand. There, there, It was a totally different, uh, different step, however, it brought us to where we are today. And I have to just look back with those people who worked very, very hard, very little technology uh, many of them didn't have very many vehicles or trucks to get things moved around. You had to move it all with, with, with horses. And, um, gee, I can't, as I, as I try to think about it, I can't even think of all the issues you would have been facing. Um, I, I remember my dad, uh, in 47, of course, um, you know, and, um, labor was not, um, was not hard to get the problem was having the money to pay the labor and um we we've grown a lot we've grown a great deal as an industry so has american agriculture
0: well thanks for that uh, perspective joanne i appreciate that and you know craig i i look back to 2020 or 2003 excuse me when when the cow stole christmas and that case uh, that one case of bovine spongiform encephalopathy uh, w- was identified um from a a a cow that originated in Canada of course what what had the association not merged in 1996 had would the US cattle industry had recovered from that bad PR that the media was pushing on that had the association not been together and had a unified uh, message about uh beef safety cattle safety uh well, what are your thoughts on that
2: you know if we if we want to I don't think we could have responded fast enough for three groups. okay? Uh, I do believe that, uh, that people were really thinking when they put the merger together and then they had that, that quick response team where they could get out, we could get, within 24 hours we could be refuting or explaining the situation that, that, that the animal was not in the food chain, it was detected, uh, they didn't have to fear the consumption of beef. Uh, I I look back as that being one of the major uh, major events in the beef industry to where we didn't fall off the face of the earth because that could have been devastating and, and we wouldn't be talking about uh, growing the herd today and export business it wouldn't have been there uh, it had it, it had a long tail on the export side which did a lot of damage to the industry as far as the profitability side. But uh, uh, without having that rapid response and then coordinating that and continue to do that today for different events, uh, look at what we do today with our uh, optic, I call it the optic center out in Denver, as far as uh, watching uh, issues that are blowing up in real time and being able to put expertise in addressing those issues in the moment. You know we, we we were so fortunate in that 24 to 48 hours but look at technology today and where we have to be and that, those are just safeguards that are going to protect the industry uh, for, for years to come we learned an awful lot from that that experience and we learned how to communicate with the public we learned how to uh, we, we, we we fought a little bit with our neighbors and uh, we still do today and uh, as, as far as some people want to continue that on today but uh, the industry as we progress I think our one big industry issue uh, that we faced in 1947, 67, 77 87, 2007 and soon to be 2027 will be uh, our costs and regulations continue to eat at our bottom line and uh, as we look at our winters going on today and uh, uh, our cost of production if it continues to get higher and higher and higher and regulations are a big part of that. And that's what we keep beating back on. But, uh, then, then to not have to deal with, I can remember the Jack in the box, uh, issue that came out and that, that destroyed a lot of, we, we became way more nimble and quick back from Jack in the box, 2003, when we put that response team in there day, We get you may get a yellow or orange warning that uh, there's an issue out there, and uh, it gets addressed and it gets addressed immediately. So, consequently, what used to be major, major setbacks for the industry, a lot of times today uh, you don't even know they're an issue. And that's part of being what the association is about not having to deal with the issue because the issue was taken care of before it was an issue. And I think that's. That's just the world we live in, and you know what can happen in a a foreign country uh, as we're speaking here can have a direct impact on us at 6 o'clock news. So we have to always be on our guard, and we always have to keep in mind that uh, not everybody is is for us, so we're going to have to fend for ourselves. And and to wait for the government to ever come in and fix it, uh, we won't. There'd be too much damage, so. I think we've done a lot of good things in that aspect as well.
1: Let me add to um, that to say that I think that one of the key things that we have learned as as an industry and as officers and as um, people who are really involved in this business, we have learned to listen. And therefore, we have it gives us. Um, an end to helping to solve a problem before the problem becomes a problem. Um, our ability to be ca- just called on the telephone to say uh, with, with another uh, industry, uh, allied industry, say this this is brewing, you know, and that we can be on the listening end and that we can have uh, maybe some sort of uh, indirect or direct input into it uh our communication as greg was saying is just um both external and internal uh and people to people is so much better i i think about when when we were working on the first couple and even the third check off you know the the fact that you know the computers and the the, the accessibilitys with cell phones and all did not exist and and you know um we just we know th- things as he said we know things instantly, but we also know how to listen and I do I want to comment on that I
2: think that is the biggest thing you learn as an officer is you learn to listen and uh, one thing I was well, during my time I wanted to go around and I wanted to listen to what people had to say in these states and not sit there and tell them what. You know, it is a grassroots organization, so you want to hear their side and you want to you want to be accessible to those members. And I spent a lot of time being accessible and really proud of two or three states that uh, uh, really, really grew in that time frame. And I've still got great, great relationships with those, with those three states because uh, you, you listen to them and you explain. And most people just want to be uh, – they want to be heard and then just explain, you know, answer their question instead of giving them a, a, a spiel about what you're doing. Answer answer their question back, correct?
0: Well, as we conclude today's uh, conversation, uh, we've covered a lot of ground, uh, the the challenges, the opportunities, the growth. Uh, but what what do both of you see as an exciting, uh, uh, I, I guess, something that NCBA is currently working towards that, that gets you excited about uh, that, that project or what the future has in store? Uh, Craig, I'll start with you. <laughs> uh,
2: I, really, I, th- I think it's the communication and, 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 and the response. You know, that's one thing we really started putting down on, we don't know what the issue is gonna be. You know, we can, we can list five things we think it's gonna be, and usually we'll capture two or three, and another two or three will come out of the left field and, and we'll have to address them on the move. Um, I think we've learned that a lot of our issues are the same old issues just coming at us in a different form and how we address them and who we need to cooperate with, whether it be another trade association I think we've become very good at co co-oping with some of our other organizations that are having some of the same issues because production agriculture is so small uh, that you have to join forces today. Uh, I think uh, one thing that as an organization, we're a little more proactive today than we used to be. We used to be too reactive and, uh, so I think by being proactive, we're explaining what our goals are, uh, this is what it could be. And, and you, you, you institute that through all your, all your meeting agendas of, of a vision and a goal that you're wanting to obtain, whether it's, t- it's, it's a new export market or it's tamping down bad legislation. Uh, sometimes, sometimes, uh, like right now, I can tell you what. Different administrations. Sometimes you got opportunities. It's like like the cattle business. Sometimes you got opportunities to grow and expand and make money, and sometimes you just got to sit back and and tap your foot a little bit. And uh, consequently, you know, different administrations. Sometimes you got to be the no vote and just bide your time for the opportunity when it arises. Because um, you can think that you can get something done, but timing is everything in, in agriculture. And sometimes those opportunities allow you to move forward. And sometimes you just got to, you know, we're kind of an impatient group here, Lane, as far as cattle producers. And uh, uh, that's not always an easy sell, but uh, consequently, markets starting to trend up. We have less numbers. Hopefully this drought breaks. Uh, I, I look for the future for the industry. We're going to even be closer to the consumer than we are today. I don't look, I don't, you know, we've got all these convenience products and we've got all these different organiza- these different companies that are, are pushing our product. I think you're going to see a lot of retailers that got caught short in COVID. I think they're going to be closer to the product uh, more now than ever. And I think you're going to see people that are going to have to adjust and have to uh, do more, uh, check the box and uh, uh, make sure you are uh, in sync with, what the consumer is expecting and those are the people that are going to be rewarded. I just think the industry keeps evolving that way. And uh, I, I, I think that there's a bright future for all these young people because there's a, there's a lot of turnover. There's a, the, the 1980s created a big void in the industry. So there's a lot of people who are 60 over and 35 and younger. And there's a big gap in the middle. And I think you're going to see a lot of change coming on. But uh, I welcome those new ideas, and I really love their enthusiasm.
0: Joanne, looking at some of the the current projects, or or just uh, uh, the future of the cattle business, I guess what, what's exciting in your mind?
1: Well, obviously, the opportunity to to produce a better product, to understand. Um, more about the product, to understand more about what the consumer and what the retailer um, on the, the, um, food service industry really needs, um, is, is exciting to me to bring those factors even closer together. And, um, Greg just mentioned the, the, the need to work together. Um, we have proven that we can produce uh we understand that we need the consumer and the retailer and and the packers and and all these other entities along the way, and we don't always see eye to eye, but we absolutely have to uh reach out to to consumers who are faced today with um their dollar or uh, the food not going as far. Teach them more how to use our product. Um, that it does fit. You just have to know how to make it fit. And we've got that that monkey is on our back. We can't walk away from saying here again, like we used, like we started in the '60s, saying here's the product. You get it. We can't go back to that theory. We've got the 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 these. The, I am just fascinated uh, with all of the. Um, Cute, clever recipes on these uh, that you can just grab up and go try yourself, and 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 they work with these new gadgets. I want you all to know that <laughs> they're kind of neat. And as we have uh, new, new whatever is on the market to cook our product, we're going to have to help the the consumer understand this is how you can do it. Um, we've got a big job ahead of us, and I could I see that as the biggest challenge we is the producers doing a heck of a job, but we've got a job to do.
0: Well, again, I really enjoyed today's conversation and, you know, 125 years of advocacy through what is now the national cattleman's beef association. And just a, a quick glimpse here today, uh, with, with two of the outstanding leaders that, uh, you know, volunteered their time to to be uh, a leader and help advance the future of the U.S. cattle industry. So I just want to thank uh, both uh, Joanne Smith and Craig Uden for joining us here today. Just any last comments before I let you get back to your day?
1: Thank you for the opportunity of of uh, being a part of reaching back and bringing forward some of the information that I I think will help others to understand why we're where we are, and let me toss the ball to them to take it and run.
2: And Elaine, I'd like to thank you. I'd like to thank Joanne for uh, stimulating me to want to become a leader, you know, many years ago. And uh, it's been a great honor to uh, serve this organization because it's, it's made up of fantastic people. Both as the producers and, and, and the staff that leads it, and it is a very coordinated effort, and uh, uh, we have we have a really bright future. Maybe you're always going to have dark days, but the industry is going to continue to move forward. And uh, I, I, I really think that uh, we've we've done a lot of a lot of wonderful things in 125 years, and we'll continue to do great things for the next 125. years. So thanks again for
1: having us. Lane, I'd like to just comment uh, one of, to to second what Craig has said. Um we have have had and continue to have wonderful staff that help us as producers uh focus on the issue and, and do what we need to do. And they're there 24 hours a day almost to make that happen. And my hat's off to us we could we couldn't do uh, those of us out here in production arena could not do what they are doing, and people like you make it happen and i We thank you very much.
0: Well, again, thank you both for joining us here today and, and sharing your insight, again, as we celebrate 125 years of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. A big thank you to Joanne Smith and Craig Uden for joining us here today. That will do it for this conversation here on the Cattlemen's Call podcast. I'm Lane Northland. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to NCBA's Cattlemen's Call podcast with Lane Nordlund. For more information, visit ncba.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.